Hey, man. What's happening? How are you? I'm all right, man. You know, getting back into the swing of things Monday evening, you know? A uh, little Monday, two sorry excuses, episode 31. 31, yep. Uh, for those playing along at home, uh, I'm Sanders, he's Liv, and this is a special, special post-birthday edition of Two Sorry Excuses. Yes, post-birthday. We, um, what did we do? Uh, Thursday, we shot a couple messages, um, you know, kind of the usual pre-show fare. Hey, you gonna be around? I'll be around at 8, you'll be around at 9. But I forgot, I totally forgot, my bad, that it was your birthday. We talked about it two weeks ago. We yeah. had a we had a whole big show planned. We were gonna bring on special guests, but I don't know, things just kinda got away from us, I guess. But uh thirty eight? The big yep, three eight. Yeah. Yep. Now I'm officially in my late thirties. No more mid to late thirties. I used to be able to um recall the entire birthday year. And and essentially it was either a good year or a bad year based on what happened during that birthday celebration. So I kind of remember, um, you know, all the college years. I especially remember the 21st. I remember uh, turning 25. I remember my 30th. But basically after 35, they, they're just all bad. The birthday celebrations were bad. The years were not particularly memorable. And um, 40, it's all downhill, buddy. The birthday celebrations are anticlimactic. So what did you, you end up doing for your birthday? Uh, nothing. <laughs> I mean, like, I get my hopes up that something awesome is going to happen, and then there I find myself on the Friday night, sitting at home, falling asleep in bed as I wait for your... <laughs> well, we've talked Wait for your Skype call. The idea that I was available at all. Right, on the Friday <laughs> of your birthday weekend. Yes, and on my birthday itself, I'm sitting in the office. I'm there I was there like six thirty or seven, you know. Um actually I was there like six thirty or so because I'm dealing with this damn brief. Like Two years ago, I just didn't go into the office on my birthday. I was like, fuck it, it's my birthday. I'm never going into the office on my birthday. Right. Last year, I left, like, after lunch, and I went to the movies. I went and bought myself some stuff. You know, I was like, all right, it's a concession, but at least I wasn't there the whole time. This year, I had no choice. I had to be there. Um, so the birthdays keep getting crappier. Um... I mean, at least as as good as a birthday could be when you're at work was as good as it was. Uh, Jacob and I, we went to Roost Chris. You know, I ate a big old steak at lunch. Uh, and the Roost Chris is like right near it's part of like the casino downtown, like part of their complex or whatever. Okay. So Jacob loves gambling. I'm not a gambler. He's like, he's like, I really want to go in and, you know, play some craps for like an hour or something. You know, and I'm like, I'm not rushing to get back to the office on my birthday. I was like, I'll go there. I'll play some nickel slots because I don't even know how to play that stuff because I don't like uh, 
casino gaming. It's just not my deal. Right, right. He's like, he's like, no, man. He's like, I want you to play crap. So we go in. He gives me a hundred bucks. He takes a hundred bucks, and we buy, uh, you know, a bunch of chips. He's like, just do whatever I do. I'm like, yeah, that's what I'll do. You know, hoping maybe we can parlay this into some quick money and head back to the office. <laughs> uh, nothing was done. You know, he bought another sixty in chips, and like fifteen minutes were fifteen minutes and two hundred sixty dollars later, we were gone. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and hey, that's why I don't like gambling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Problem with that was like, dude, it's like he's lost a couple hundred dollars in fifteen minutes. I just. <laughs> That does not appeal to me. All right, wait. So I want to get back to the birthday stuff, but but about the about the gambling. Is that it? Is it is it the the practical nature of of easy come easy go that that kind of turns you off because you're particularly quick witted and obviously intelligent. So I would think that you know odds and probabilities are something that you you know you're pretty comfortable with that you calculate quickly. You can kind of absorb the rules because you have a really good memory see i'm not a huge gambler because one i don't have an adrenaline uh you know i don't i'm not a thrill seeker i don't like highs and lows and like the idea of standing there and and having wild swings doesn't appeal to me and i can't keep numbers and rules straight in my head i'm not good with numbers i'm not necessarily good with probabilities um you know on the fly so you know i kind of stay away from but you know if i'm gonna go to a casino i'll go to something that i can kind of control the pace at um sports book you know horse racing i you know i i kind of head in that um but i also don't like losing money yeah i I don't like losing money and the one positive experience I ever had with casino is was it was fifteen years ago. It was during spring break. I'd come down here for a couple of days but then I flew back up to hang out with my buddy who lived in Jersey City uh at the time. And we me and uh his buddies and I went down to Atlantic City and we went to one of those Trump casinos and I was like, all right, I'll 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 do this. And I went and played blackjack, and I was playing, like, you know, $5 minimums. And, and I got up, and I was doing really well, and then I got a little cocky. I was like, I might as well go try to win some real money. <laughs> you know? So I went to where it was like a $20 minimum or something, you know. Next thing you know, I went from being, like, up, like, a couple of hundred to being down. I was like, oh, this is terrible. So then I went back to the low... The five dollar table and got back to basically being down whatever I said I was comfortable enough with losing. I was like, all right, that's all I need to know about gambling. You know, the other side is I just find them the most casinos, the most depressing places in the world. Oh my god, aren't they? There's no windows. They're full of friggin' just sad-looking people. You see these senior citizens with oxygen tanks and... Rolling around in their in their rascal carts. Yes, and those uniforms are so tacky, and you see these really sad-looking women working as cocktail waitresses. Nothing is appealing about the casino to me. They're not glamorous like James Bond. <laughs> you know, it's, you look around and you see losers everywhere because most of them are losers, you know? Yeah. And they, it's just like, Jesus. 
I, I just can't handle it. It's like, and, and, and the whole thing, how they, you know, they don't want you to know. Uh, they don't want you to have any sense of time or place either. You know, so they're like friggin' black holes. Like, it's just, no, I don't need the casino, man. Yeah, I'm not a huge casino fan. Ange is a huge casino fan. She went to um, down to Atlantic City on her 18th birthday with her grandmother and won a thousand bucks in a slot machine. So that was it. That primed her pump. And um, since then, you know, we've been to Vegas a couple times and Atlantic City a bunch of times. Um, yeah, I've never been to Vegas. I don't really have this big urge to go there either. I'll tell you what. Even if you're not a gambler, Vegas is still a fun place. It's pretty yeah, expensive. they say, but, you know, it, yeah, exactly. It's probably pretty damn expensive. Vegas seems like it'd be a city of losers, too. I um, mean, my brother used to live there, and that's the sense I get that it's full of losers because... That's the type of people that end up in Vegas, think they're going to hit it big, and then they're stuck in Vegas. Yeah, well, we're not um, vacation friend people. You know those kind of people who go away and they come back and they have their honeymoon friends or their vacation friends? Angie and I always just kind of stuck to ourselves. We, We found trouble well enough on our own. We didn't need to make friends. But, um... The last time we went to Vegas was Angie's 30th birthday. It was last year, uh, 4th of July. Oh, uh, yeah, um, that was the thing you sent out the email trying to get people rallying up. Yes, there. yes, yes. We stayed downtown in, like, old Vegas, which yeah. is even more depressing. Yeah. And people are even bigger losers because downtown is like mm-hmm. dollar minimums, you know, twenty five cents slot yeah. machines. Like, there's no, you know, draw of the strip, you know, and and the mirage and the Bellagio fountains, and it's just like it's sad. But it was yeah. old school and it was fun and it was cheaper. And we, you know, they upgraded us to a suite. Like, it was totally worth it. We had a great time, um, but we spent our whole time in the pool. It's, it's July yeah. in Vegas. It's like 170 degrees. Yeah, I'm sure. So we sat in the pool the whole time, um, just drinking and drinking and drinking. And we made a couple friends. Um, this couple from, from Texas um, who was your the the opposite of what we're talking about, the you know, that casino loser. But he yeah. was stereotypical Texas guy in Vegas. In the in the uh, in the pool, you know, he had a baseball cap on, um, sunglasses, you know, regular attire, swim trunks. But we met him. We're like, yeah, yeah, we'll meet you down at the casino, you know, later tonight. Um, how will we find you? He's like, oh, I play this blackjack table. And we walk down, and there's one guy. He's about six three, huge cowboy hat on, huge belt buckle, yeah. cowboy boots like the whole nine. Like it takes all kinds, you know. And yeah. um, he ended up losing more money than anybody that I'd ever seen. <laughs> and he would just throw money down and throw money down. And you know, the next day we went up to the pool, and we thought. All right. Well, there's no way we're going to see those guys up there again. I mean, we watched the guy lose probably five thousand bucks, and you know he was pretty wasted. But we went back up to the pool next day. He was right there. You know, 
just yeah. having a grand old time, enjoying it. So I think if you can go into it with, listen, this is how much money I've got to lose. Oh yeah, I, it, it changes the whole equation. Yeah, I mean, if you're if you set aside, yeah, it's totally different. You know, you gotta say I'm willing to lose this amount of money. It's just that it doesn't appeal to me. Like I don't I don't have that much fun gambling. You know. Like if I was like I'm gonna go lose five hundred bucks, I'd find something that costs five hundred dollars that I actually like to do. Right, you right, know? exactly. Um, I can't really think of too many things that are five hundred dollars I like to do. A uh, hundred dollars is usually my, you know. Listen, I'm gonna go in with a hundred dollars. I'm willing to lose a hundred dollars. Well, I was thinking if I was going to Vegas for a couple of days, I'd have to budget more than a hundred. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, I guess you would. I guess pretty freaking lame trip. uh, If I didn't, yeah, yeah, no, I guess you would. Um, I meant more on the on the daily basis. Yeah, I'll tell you another thing that another experience I had in my life that just turns me off the to gambling. Uh, My buddy Colin, you've met Colin, yeah, yeah, sure, yeah, who. who didn't know how to operate the, that camera, so he ended up with like a picture of your the top of your head with Coach Beheim <laughs> <laughs> back in that magical April night and early morning, two thousand three. Yes, uh, Colin and his partner when they were in the when they owned the pizza restaurant, you know that they owned when I got out of college and I was uh, I was working for those guys. They were compulsive gamblers. Okay. Like, um, Colin's not a gambler anymore, I don't believe. You know, he's married with three children, and he's not around uh, his partner James anymore. But we would, you know, sometimes we'd go with those guys to the casino. They used to like to go to this uh, riverboat casino out in uh, one of the suburbs here, Treasure Chest. And sit there and watch them get up, like, a couple thousand dollars. You know, they'd sit there and play the video poker. You know, and they have all these video poker machines, you know, like five times, ten times. Like, you know, people at these companies like Bally's just working on machines that will help you separate you from your money a lot quicker. <laughs> you, know, where you can play like 15 hands at once. Right, right. You know? <laughs> like, how ridiculous is that, you know? And they'd sit there and they'd get all, like, you know, gaga when they get up. I'm like, all right, you're going to cash out now, right? You're up two grand. Like, no, no, we think it's really going to hit. We think it's really going to hit. Oh, my God. And then, you know, an hour later, they're totally busted. And when I look at that, that's just the evils of gambling to me. And I have no attraction to that lifestyle. It's just sad. It's pathetic. Then, like, we in the pizza joint, we had video poker machines. And the maximum any one hand can pay out on the video poker machine that we have in there. You know, they got them all over the state here. Right. Is 500 bucks, And you would see people sit there and spend hundreds and hundreds of dollars. What the hell is that? Oh, that's just the... Uh... The background sounds of Asbury Park. All right, that's the the uh, emergency, the first responders back there. <laughs> exactly. I don't know. Somebody's out there trying to lock their car or do something that's prudent in Asbury Park, but they're not getting it right. Yep. 
But, you know, you'd see people sit there and spend hundreds of dollars with the maximum payout of 500 bucks. Right. You know, it just makes no sense. I'd be like, why aren't you even at the, why are you here and not at the real casino where you might actually be able to parlay the $400 you're shoving down this machine into actual cash? You know, but it's just an addiction to a lot of these people. Yeah, it really is, man. It really is. Well, if you want to lose a shitload of money, go into bad debt, never have any hope of paying it off, go to law school. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Amen, brother. (laughs) <laughs> Amen. Um, hey, so back to the uh, back to the birthday celebration. Um, yes, the celebration. The celebration. You. Um, so Wednesday night, I went out to dinner with my mom because okay. we used to always do these birthday dinners, and to be honest with you, everybody in the family got sick of them. <laughs> you know, like where my mom would cook dinner, and then people would come over, and you'd have to wait for other people to come over. And it was just a real pain in the ass. And I'm like, I just don't want this anymore. It's like, you can take me out to dinner, just us or whatever. You know, we don't need to do the huge hoopla. We can, uh, we'll just do cake or something. Because it's a lot less of a production. So so we did that on Wednesday. Went to this restaurant called Drago's. Good restaurant down here. Then Thursday night, came home. Uh... Thursday night first, I went and got my snowball from Hanson's. I saw that. Yes, um, orangeade with uh, condensed milk, lasagna style. That's where they put it in between the layers of the snowball. Uh, Tastes like a creamsicle. I just discovered that concoction recently, and it is now my favorite. Uh, Got a drunken phone call from a friend, which lasted like an hour. Then got another phone call from another friend because the drunken guy had called him after we got off the phone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so then I did the usual, you know, um, we had the cake later on, cake and ice cream with like my sister, one sister, uh, because the other sisters in the Dominican Republic, one of my brothers, because one brother doesn't live here and the other one's a flake. So it was just like four of us, you know, and that's all we did. Um, I'll tell you one thing that's a a ritual of my birthday. It's uh, the phone call from my brother, Chris, who lives in Colorado. And as he gets older, he gets madder and madder. <laughs> now, is that the one that was in the um, uh, West Point? Yes, he was at West Point for, real briefly. Is he your oldest brother? No, no, I, my oldest brother is AJ, who lives down here, who is uh, who is quite the flake. Okay. But, um, but he lives down here. All right. Uh, actually, I'll tell you, let me tell you this story. Let's lead up to what <laughs> led up to my birthday. Wednesday, around quarter to two, I get a phone call on, on my cell phone. I'm like, I don't recognize this number, but I answer it anyway. And I answer, I'm like, hello, and I don't hear anything. I hear 2420. I'm like, what? And I hear a guy say, John Paul. I was like, John Paul? I was like, Lagarde? Because I knew a kid from high school named John Paul Lagarde. Right. And I don't know what the hell's going on. I'm like, I'm like, hello, what the hell's going on here, man? I'm like, I don't know what's going on. And the guy's like, you on a Boston Terrier? I'm like, yeah. He's he, he's like, it's you're missing it? I'm like, I didn't think I was. He's like, I got your dog. This is the number it says to call. I'm like, what? I'm freaking out. I'm like, what the hell is going on? And I'm like, I've never heard anything about my missing dog, you know? Yeah, yeah. Where are you at work? 
yes, I'm at the office. And I'm in the middle of, like, probably page 23 or 24 of this eventual 30-page at the time that I ended up writing by 5 o'clock that day. All right. Brief. And I was like, what? He's like, yeah, one of my workers found it. Um, it was run down the, by the train tracks. I'm like, foaming at the mouth. I'm like, what? <laughs> I mean, foaming because he was so damn hot. Oh, all right, all right. This is like 90-something degrees. Okay. But I'm like, if he's all the way by the tracks, that means he ran far away, like blocks and blocks and blocks from my house. I'm like, Jesus Christ, man. He's like, he's like I'm just going to drop it at my house. And, and I knew where his house was. He, he said the address. I was like, that's not far, that far away. But I'm like, I'm like, he's like, where do you live? I'm like, 2420. I'm like, my mom's home there. And he's, he's like, oh, all right, I can bring it there. I was like, just go bang on the door, you know? <laughs> and so I call up. I'm like, mom, Bluto's missing. She's like, I know, blah, 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 you know? And. So whatever, I almost had a heart attack because nothing's more helpless than being friggin' eight miles away from home while you get a phone call that your dog's missing. It could yeah. be a hit, you know? Right. And it turned out that one of the uh, the gate in the backyard, that there's a gate in the backyard that connects to the side yard, you know? And it's got like a, a, a latch and pen type of system. Yep. It was a gate that my brother-in-law built because he's a welder. Like he makes stuff out. He's able to do metal smithing and stuff like that. So he made it with this like latch and pin system. Uh, the pin he made went missing because that's the way that the meter reader comes in. And we think the meter reader must have lost it. So we have a nail in there now. But um, somebody had opened it and put the nail into the hole without putting the, the latch in first. So eventually the the gate just opened. Yeah. And the dogs got out and I don't know. I was uh I'm gonna there's been denials, there's been possible admissions. I'm just gonna leave it alone. But it didn't help when last night I came home around eleven something and the back gate, the the uh wooden fence we have was unlocked. And I'm like this one, I'm like, what the hell? I'm like, how many you know, like <laughs> You gotta lock up the fucking gates, man. <laughs> like somebody's trying to kill my dog, you know? Uh, uh, I live on a very busy road. That's that's why I was... That's why I'm lucky that dog isn't dead. Because the fact that he was able to get out, run away, and run blocks and not get hit. So, so that was Wednesday. Then the birthday comes. Then the cake comes. Then Friday comes. And I had all these great ideas like, oh, man. You know, maybe somebody will call, we'll go out or something. Uh, this one friend of mine, the last two years we did a bar crawl. She talked about it the week before. So I was like, hey, what are your plans? And she's like, oh, I'm going out to such and such's birthday dinner. And I was like, oh, well, I guess I'm not going out tonight. And then I was like, fuck it. I'm 38 years old. I'm not calling people to go celebrate my birthday with me. If people don't want to call, people want to celebrate my birthday with me, fuck them. <laughs> I'll go and do what I do, you know? So then Saturday I went to see Planet of the Apes because I was like, screw it. That's what I want to do. Right. And um, I was just going to go to the seafood restaurant and eat by myself. But then my mother wanted to come. So I ended up going with her. The girl that I was that that has the she she shares July 17th as a birthday. OK. Um, 
I texted her. I was like, so is this tradition over? And she's like, what? Uh, I didn't think you wanted to do it. I was like, what? We talked about last week. Because the week before, she she did this murder mystery dinner for her for her birthday. That's that picture that I'm dressed up in the suit. <laughs> right. You look like uh, Philip Seymour Thomas, Philip Seymour Hoffman as Truman Capote. Capote, yes, a, <laughs> a Truman Capote, a New Orleans, a New Orleans man himself. Yes. Um, but uh, you know, it's funny. All you do is add the hat, and you look like a gangster. <laughs> hat, hat, a boutonniere, and a pocket square. That's now, it. Otherwise, I would just look like a lawyer in a seersucker suit. <laughs> um, so we had a big misunderstanding. She's like, if you would have told me that we were that you wanted to do the bar crawl, I would have skipped the dinner. I was like, all right, whatever. Just chalk that up to miscommunication. How but, how many years had the bar crawl gone on? Two years, but you know, like the point is, tradition's got to start somewhere. Yeah, no, no, that's that's fair enough. Two is, hey, are we doing this again? If you yeah. only did it last year, that's listen, that's a flip of a coin, you know. I talked about it at the murder mystery party, and she doesn't remember talking about it. And in her defense, I understand that. Was I mean, she probably, wasted? Yeah, I mean, it's probably one of the last things I remember talking about at that party. But oh, all right, but I do remember talking about it. Uh, and by the way, that party was way too expensive to be that drunk at it. But, <laughs> you know, like... How do you... I, this might be a whole other episode, but, like, what is a murder mystery party? I've only ever seen... Uh, there there was, like, a... Up here um, on Saturday nights, uh, Fox Channel 5 um, <laughs> used to run like the Saturday afternoon movie and they would take what I guess was a was a relatively popular movie and then they would chop it up so it would fit in an hour and a half. Yeah. And one of the movies was was like one of those type of murder mystery was movies. Clue? Now, it wasn't Clue, it was older than that and it was a little campier. If I were if if my dad was sitting here right now, I'd go, "Hey dad, do you remember that time in like 87?" He'd be like, "Yeah, I know what that is." Boom. But I, I can't, I don't remember what it was. Well, let me get to that because I'll finish out the weekend. All right, all right. So then the next Saturday at some point, my buddy Todd. See, this is the other problem. There's really not people to hang out with when you're a 38-year-old bachelor. Because <laughs> everybody's married and have has children, you know. So my buddy Todd, who is married with a child, uh, he's like, hey, man, uh, his wife's, wife's birthday was yesterday. He's like, uh, we're having people over tomorrow night. Come on over. We can celebrate your birthday, too. <laughs> Sorry I missed out on hanging out with you for your birthday. I'm like, you didn't miss anything. <laughs> <laughs> so I went over there last night for a little bit, and it was only like five people. You know, it was he, it was my buddy Todd, his wife, my buddy Gagne, and this girl who works with the wife, and we sat there and played that game, uh, Cards Against Humanity. Have you played? Oh yeah, this? yeah, that's actually a pretty fun game. Yeah, it's pretty fun. If you, it, I mean, I guess it was fun the first time. It gets progressively boring, especially when the same cards keep popping up. Okay, I've only played once, so that explains why it was fun. <laughs> and then, 
Oh, one other guy was there, this guy Bill, who went to school with us. The other problem was, which pisses me off, is because, I don't know, I'm kind of a comedic snob. (laughs) I don't find jokes about poop and farts, like, hilarious. Right. You have a highbrow humor. And I'm like, 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 that game, A, it's totally not creative because it provides... I'd rather play Mad Libs than play that game. Okay. Because at least Mad Libs depends on somebody being creative. All right. You're actually coming up with the adjective. I'm like, this is frustrating. Every time it's like, oh, poop. Okay, that wins. (laughs) Yeah, okay, from what I gathered is you have to play with a sophisticated crowd. They all have to be on the same level because you'll get the lowest common denominator otherwise. But that's hard because it also helps if you don't know the people very well because then that adds an element to the game. You know, like, how disturbed do you... Explain the game for people who haven't... The game... The game is they have a set of black cards, which have, like, um... You know, it will be like, this. the reason I can't sleep at night is blank. Well, then there's also a deck of white cards, and each player gets, like, ten white cards. And you gotta select, um what you think sounds best. Like, the reason I can't sleep is, and you'll have cards that say stuff like Ronald Reagan, uh, Dorito Breath, you know, uh, friggin' uh, Asian Child Hookers or something like that. <laughs> and everybody puts down their card, and the guy who's, whose turn it is to read the card, he decides which one he likes best. And whoever gets, and whichever one that he likes the best, they get that black card. And at the end of the game, whenever you decide that you're done playing, whoever has the most black cards wins. There's no prize, there's nothing, but it sucks when you're around people who love fart jokes. Right, so when I played, I played with my sister um, and a bunch of her friends. So it was, they're the couples. My sister and her fiancé at the time, and then a couple married couples. And they were all friends, and they knew each other, and, like, one of the guys liked fart jokes. Yeah. The other guy loved anything with Asian child, you know, hookers. Yeah, you gotta play to whoever's reading the cards. Right. And some of them were highbrow, and some of them were were low rent, but um, they all knew each other. And they knew, they played the game, apparently, a couple times. So, um, that would kind of diminish the you know the enjoyment of it if it just became routine so like i know you like particularly you know highbrow political humor so if i know that ahead of time it kind of takes the you know it gives me an advantage because it's not a game you're playing to win it's a game you're playing to yeah you're not there's no prize at the end like oh i kicked your ass at that game you know right because it's totally subjective. It's not like playing trivia where it's like, okay, yeah, you won, you know? Right, exactly. Exactly. So go ahead. Sorry. Um, well, like, I, I have dark humor, too, you know? Like, one of them was first come, it, it was a two-carter, because some of them are two-carters. Oh, right. First comes this, then next comes this, then comes profit, you know? And I happen to have crucifixion and blood of Christ. 
<laughs> and if and if somebody would have put first comes crucifixion, then comes the blood of Christ, then comes the prophet, I would have laughed my ass off, and that would have been the winner. Right. They read that and they're like, "Whoa, that's dark." <laughs> <laughs> but you don't know whose it is ahead of time, right? Yeah, they all know whose it is. Right. They, they just know if it's dark, it's probably me because it's it's smarter than anything else they had down to. <laughs> You know, and like later on, like it was like I was like, I want to leave. And they're like, next black card you get, you can leave. I was like, all right, all right, we'll do that. And Bill reads the card, and it's like, uh, after blank, uh, after being exposed to blank, the mouse ran the maze so much quicker, or something, you know. And I happen to have white privilege, and I'm like, okay, I think that's funny, <laughs> you know, because you know you're smart enough to know about the advantages of white privilege. Right, right. Uh, and uh, and the one he chose was after eating Mexican food or something. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, yes, another, another shit joke takes the day. <laughs> like, what? That's not it. I was like... I was like, Todd just said, oh, yeah, because you'd be shitting a lot and you want to run. You know? <laughs> Uh, I'm like, I can't play with you guys. Y'all are too friggin' you're they're the guys who think the TV show um Workaholics is funny. Oh my god, I hate that show. Oh god, I don't know, man. That's how I know I'm getting older because the shit that's being made by people born in the eighties sucks. <laughs> of course I don't know when Nathan Fielder was born, but if you ever watch that show Nathan for you, it's brilliant. Uh not only have I not seen it, I've never heard of it. Yeah, it's only in second season on Comedy Central, but he goes to all these businesses with like these plans to improve their businesses, like real, real businesses in L.A. But they always are terrible business plans. <laughs> Last week, he's gone to this maid company, and she's explained the way it works. If you if you hired one maid, they could do the whole house in four hours. She's like, if you hired two maids, they could do the whole whole house in two hours. He's like, well, by that logic, 40 maids could do the whole house in six minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so then his experimental business plan is they get 40 maids to go clean like this 1,500 square foot house. <laughs> and, he, you know, they get this big old like luxury bus. <laughs> and he's got a stopwatch, you know. And <laughs> I think they ended up doing it about a little over eight minutes. <laughs> uh, that's funny. <laughs> Yeah, so so I don't know. That guy probably is a millennial or whatever, but he's hilarious. But workaholics is not funny. I guess maybe it's funny if you're constantly stoned. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah, that could be. Because the folks that turn me on to it uh, or try to introduce me to it... Um, are people that are constantly stoned. big stoners. Yes. Yes, and I know it's a show about stoners or whatever, but... I didn't think all shows about stoners have to be terrible, you know? <laughs> but I don't know. I mean, maybe try to watch Cheech and Chong when you're completely sober. Maybe it's not that clever. I have no clue. Um, so that was, and then, oh, and th this is just to put the cap on last night. But that was all fine. I knew it was going to be stupid poop jokes or whatever, because I play, the only times I've ever played the game is when I've been with these people, you know? Um, but the girl that was there, that Llewellyn's co-worker, 
apparently, A, she's very young. Like, I think she turns 27 maybe in a cu- next week. Okay. Or this week on Friday. And I guess she, she was drunker than she normally gets apparently. But she was approaching the game in a clinical fashion. Like, she was approaching it like it was like Trivial Pursuit or something. Like, there was no fun to it at all. It wasn't humorous. She'd sit there and read the cards and give you reasons why she wasn't using all the other cards. <laughs> and then she would come up with the most logical card. So then I t- so I was the next one after her. And it was, the game was moving at a snail's pace because of this. Oh, it, any fun that was left in that game, she wrung it out. <laughs> It was so miserable. So then I get the cards after her, and I and I start doing the same damn thing. I was like, "Oh no, this doesn't really work because I heard about this once, and that's not reality." You know? Just <laughs> uh, did she get that you were playing? That you were? Uh, that yeah, you were busting her chops. Yes, yes. But then we were supposed to handle her with kid gloves, you know. Like, she went to the bathroom, and then your buddy's wife went, hey, guys, guys, seriously, can we just take it easy? Looking at us, you know? And then, like, there was one card that came up, and she's like, no, I can't play this card. She went in, and it's like, none of this stuff is supposed to be personal to you. You know? None of it's supposed to be personal. (laughs) Even if it's personal, it's not supposed to be personal. You get what I'm saying? (laughs) Like, it was like... Um, the way I cheer up a grieving friend is blank. And she's like, no, I can't do that. And she <laughs> went off for like 10 minutes. You know, I'm like, okay, you're the youngest one here. I guarantee you, uh, you don't have the most, uh, the, the most skeletons in your closet or whatever the hell's going on, you know? Right. Everybody here has lost somebody or whatever. It's a Fucking game. Roll with it. <laughs> uh, fucking funeral last Saturday. I wasn't like, oh no, let's not talk about dead people now. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So uh, it's a couple married couples, uh, a couple guys, and then this. a married couple, two guys, and a girl. And a girl. And me. And yeah. um, do you guys all hang out? You're buddies with the married couple, but are you. Are the are the other two guys friends oh, yeah. in that the, same group? The three guys that were there, we all went to law school together. Okay. We're all friends. We just don't see each other a lot anymore because because uh, that's life, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, so at one point, one of the cards was testicular torsion, <laughs> and that led to a twenty-minute problem with her she's like i'm a biologist i've never heard of testicular torsion we're like it's a condition she gets into about playing with balls and i was like it's not something that happens during sex (laughs) you know and that became a big debate and like oh oh you gotta take it easy on her oh earlier in (laughs) i've met this girl before she's a nice enough person she just shouldn't drink okay Uh, oh that's a bad combination (laughs) I mean, that's what I think it has to be, because it was not a good time. Right. Earlier in the, um, right when we got out there, and everything was fine, I don't know how it came. Something came up about Ronald Reagan. Oh, because I had it on a card, you know? Yeah. 
And, um, and, oh, you know what? The card was such and such. It was a two-parter. I had Ronald Reagan and Hurricane Katrina. You know, it was like, blame Ronald Reagan for Hurricane Katrina. And she's like, oh, um, he's like, yeah, if I would have George W. Bush, it would have been better. She's like, oh, well, you could blame him. He was still alive. And I was like, no, he wasn't. She's like, yes, he was alive during Hurricane Katrina. <laughs> I was like, no, he was not. She's like, he definitely was. I was like, I'll bet you $5 he wasn't. <laughs> She's like, all right. Shook her hands. <laughs> I pulled out my phone. I was like, Ronald Reagan did June something 2004. And she's like, oh. And I was like, yep. And Hurricane Katrina hit on August 29th, 2005, sweetheart. <laughs> and, like, and she's like, oh, I'll give you $5. I was like, I don't want the $5. And the other guys are like, oh, no. First time you, first time live proves you're wrong. It's free. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and later on, when she was having one of her meltdowns, she came out with the five bucks and insisted I take it. So, <laughs> I was like, I don't want your five dollars. She's like, No, no, no. So it was just easier to take the five bucks. <laughs> but I was like, Yes. I was like, I can't believe you're gonna argue with me. Of course, she doesn't know me. But I was right, like, Right, right. Gonna argue, argue with me on this point. You know, I was like, I remember where I was. I was in Boston. I remember being in this bar right on the waterfront. And this guy, Mike Siciliano, that used to work at Whiskey's, was bartending at that place. Oh, man, I wish I could remember the name of the place. And they were showing the the procession of Ronald Reagan. That's how I knew it was definitely before Katrina, because I moved here a month to the day before Katrina. Was, uh, it, was it Tia's? Tia's, yes, that's it. Yeah. Yep. That place right there on the waterfront. That's a good place. Yeah, yeah. Funny thing about that place, in 2003 it was, we had, uh, it was after the place I, I was working for it got absorbed by um, the law firm that that took it over. Uh, we went to, uh, our summer outing was in P-Town, and we took a uh, high-speed ferry from near there, you know? Okay. That gets you up to P-Town like in 90 minutes. Like, it, people are getting sick on it and everything. Because <laughs> it jets across the water, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, it's crazy. It, like, lifts up. And then we came back, and and we all went into Tia's. Like, the lady in charge of the firm credit card went in there and threw down her credit card. You know? And um, threw down the firm credit card. So everybody just keeps drinking. And you know how Boston is. They 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 throw you out of the bar, you know, if you like if your drink is slightly off your coaster, you're too <laughs> drunk to be in a Boston bar. Right, right. You know, Boston bars are the they're the most unfun places in the world. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're drunk, you can't be here. It's like, wait, but you sell liquor. What the fuck's going on? <laughs> you know? Like I remember when I used to work at the poorhouse. They'd be like, Liv, you got to go kick that guy out. I'm like, why? What's he doing? They're like, he's drunk. I'm like, yeah, it's a bar. <laughs> like, but he's drunk. He can't be here anymore. I'm like, but what's he doing? <laughs> he's clearly drunk. I'm like, he's, he looks like he's just sitting there. Like, he's slurring his speech. It's like, well, yeah, he's been drinking. <laughs> <laughs> you know, let me know when he takes a swing at somebody, <laughs> smacks a waitress on the ass, or falls asleep. Right. You know, it's like... Jeez. So at some point, 
I'm at this bar and they like tell me they're like, you're gonna have to leave, sir. And you know, T is was you could walk outside and walk in through a different way. Right. You know, so they're like, all right, get out of here. <laughs> I was like, okay. And I walked all the way around to come in the other way. <laughs> and I walked right in the bar. They're like, what's going on? I grabbed all my stuff. I was like, they kicked me out. You know, <laughs> they kicked me out. I was like, I could probably stay because no one notices it because there's 80 bouncers here and there's 100 entrances. But I, I, just, I was like, if I can sit here and remember all this, I shouldn't have been kicked out of the bar. Right. Right. You know, but but um but anyway, she was wrong about Ronald Reagan. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, before we leave Tia's, Tia's is is the site of J- of my brother Josh's favorite Boston story. He's got a ton of Syracuse stories. Yeah. Uh, mostly involving involving Klaus and Jay Bailey, but his Boston stories are limited, but this is actually a really good one to remember. I was living up there. Uh, in Winthrop with Sean Reardon, Smitty, and... Uh, 69 Rear. 69 Rear. And my brother came up to Undyne visit... Undyne Road? Was that what it was? Uh, 69 Rear, Undyne Road. Yes, it was. All right. Sorry to interrupt. That's okay. Um, but we... Uh, my brother came up to visit, and um, we had a couple drinks at the house. Or we picked Sean up. He was working or something, and we were headed out. We went to Tia's for, like, a summer daytime, you know... Uh, evening-ish happy it's hour. Cause it was the perfect type of place for that. Exactly. Yeah. But Sean was so wasted that um, he fell asleep in the car on the way there. And we were like, well, shit. <laughs> we drove all the way out here because we had to go through the tunnel and it was the big That's dig. That's Gone from Winthrop to, 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 to basically, basically not far from the north end. Right? Yeah. And yeah. at the time, it was the war- it was the height of the dig. So like yeah. they were changing uh, streets basically yeah, so as you drove. The big dig. I mean, that was still going on there when I moved there, and you weren't living there anymore when I moved there. Yeah, exactly. So um, it took forever to get anywhere in that neighborhood. Well, we I think we were meeting somebody, or we had a fourth with us. And we were like, listen, uh, we're just going to leave them here. So. We put the seat, it was the Saturn. The great thing about the Saturn, it was the first car that you could detach only one of the back seats to lay it down. Yeah. And so we put him in the trunk and his head was out into the car and his feet were in the trunk. (laughs) So this way, when we came back, we could just hop in the car and the three of us could drive off and he wasn't laying across the back seat. So yeah. we go in, we spend the night. I mean, literally, we were there for forever. End up going home, and we get back to Winthrop. Sean won't get out of the car. And we're like, well, what are we going to do? Well, we're just going to leave him there. So it was summertime. It wasn't that cold out, so we knew he wasn't going to die of hypothermia. Went in the house, had a bunch of drinks, probably went out on the porch, hung out for a couple hours, then we went to bed. My brother was visiting, so he slept on the couch, and he... He loves to tell the story because it's his story. He was the only one there to experience it. And he's kind of waking up, and he hears the door open and somebody walk up the stairs. And Sean comes in, and he's dumbfounded. And he looks at my brother and goes, Hey, you'll never guess where I woke up. (laughs) (laughs) And my brother goes, In the trunk? And he goes, How did you know? (laughs) because <laughs> well, we put you there man 
he couldn't figure it out for the life of him. And that that was the only time that I'd been to Tia's and back because it was it was such a hassle. <laughs> yeah, it really is. I I get you. I mean, for me, Tia's was like walking distance from my house. I mean, it really wasn't, but it's one of those things. Everything's walking distance if you got the time, as Stephen Wright would say. <laughs> but I mean, I I did make that walk. I not to Tia's, but through that neighborhood, you know. Yeah. But um, but yeah, I'd understand why you wouldn't want to go anymore. That would discourage any future trips to Tia's. So you um, you win your five dollars from the crimes yes. of humanity. What's it called? Cards Against Humanity? Cards Against Humanity. And you really, I guess, that's part of the gimmick. You gotta keep buying the expansion sets so you can get new stuff and hopefully they don't have too many poop jokes in them. And the thing that kills me, like, I keep getting all these cards that only work for people that are into that certain type of humor. And I'm not getting the ones that are poop related. So (laughs) I'm not winning anything. (laughs) (laughs) Well... You gotta hope that I guess the expansion sets have have better uh, have better options. And if you were gonna go to buy one of those expansion sets, live, you could always go to twosorryexcuses.com, click on our Amazon.com banner, head over to Amazon, and buy them right there. Yeah, I mean, I'll have to tell my buddy Todd to go buy his set through the twosorryexcuses.com website uh, and keep buying them. Because you you get your cards against humanity. Yep. And we get a little bit of World Cup uh soccer sticker set. <laughs> and uh and and we get a little off the cuff for uh for showing the love. Yep. This uh, um this week we had our fourth two sorry excuses Amazon.com sale. Uh, so we're up to we're probably up to about fifteen bucks in nice uh, in in revenue, which is enough to to fund next month's show. costs about costs costs us about fifteen month fifteen bucks but a month. It's not enough to put a down payment on that on that bus, the cruiser. Not yet. Craigslist. Not <laughs> yet. So click click keep clicking, people. Where they want two hundred fifty thousand dollars for that thing? Yes. Hey. <laughs> um. Well, back to the murder mystery dinner. All right, back to the, yes, that. yes, back to the murder mystery dinner. All right. So my character was a was one of the suspects, and um, here's another thing. No, <laughs> I sound like a real asshole right now. Not only did I need to dress up and spend a bunch of money on this party. I needed to study for this fucking party. <laughs> I'm like, what type of party do you need to study for to go to? You know? So, like, you get the email. Like, she bought it from some national. It's some woman who runs, you know, you get it over the internet or whatever. And she gets in touch with you. And she does all the stuff. She sends you, like, recordings. And they play it at the dinner or whatever. But it tells you all the stuff. And everybody's supposed to come and ask you questions. And I even had this stuff with me, and I'm like, I don't even know how I'm supposed to answer this based on what, what has been given to me. <laughs> you know, you have one page of stuff, hide information and share information. And it was just really confusing. Most people really weren't playing. We finally sat down to eat, and it was like a couple minutes in. They said, do you want to know who the killer is? Yes, blah, blah, blah. And, and they rev- un- 
they revealed the killer, you know, and then the food came. Uh, you know, it was at a fancy restaurant. Whatever. I mean, I, I figure I won the night when I showed up dressed like I did. <laughs> Were you the best dressed? There was a guy sitting next to me who I said was the best dressed. But in my defense, he is gay. <laughs> but he looked very 20s. Well, I mean... Uh, he, he had, like, the little mustache gone. A lot of people didn't, didn't uh, put as much effort into it as, uh, as he and I did. The girls more so than the guys. A lot of guys just showed up with, like, a suit on, you know? Not even, like, not even, like, uh, giving any flourishes to it. It's like, like... A seersucker suit per se isn't 20s, but if you if you go get yourself a nice hat and throw on a boutonniere, it looks like you're 20s. Yeah, I knew you know? exactly. You sent me the picture. I knew exactly what you were going for. Yeah, it's all about looking. It's all about it's all about the accents that make an outfit. You know. Right. So uh, some people, but you know what? I was like, if I'm gonna do it, you got to do it right. You can't show up looking like a lame ass. You know. So, I went out. I wasn't even going to get a hat, but then I went out and bought the hat earlier that day. I was like, screw it. I was like, now I got a hat, which I can wear once a year. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I keep seeing this hat every day. I pass it in my room. I'm like, I got to find another reason to wear this hat. <laughs> but people look up, think I'm ridiculous if I just walk around in jeans, polo shirt, and a hat. You know. <laughs> hey, the movie I was looking for uh, is called Murder by Death. Murder by Death. It's a Neil Simon. That's uh, uh, a Neil okay. Simon script. It's five famous literary detective characters and their sidekicks are invited to a bizarre mansion to solve an even stranger mystery. And was, it, was it based on a Broadway play that was made in a movie? Um, I don't know. As a lot of Neil Simon stuff is. But it's got um, uh, Truman Capote. Speaking of Truman Capote. Oh, he's actually in it? He's in it. Uh, I think he plays the main guy. You know, it's funny about Truman Capote. Yesterday I was watching CBS Sunday morning, and Mo Rocca did a thing about the wit and humor of Ronald Reagan. And Patty Davis was on there talking about one of her, Patty Davis, Ronald Reagan's daughter talking about one of the things that Ronald Reagan used to like to do when they were in the house. He used to like to do a Truman Capote impersonation. <laughs> <laughs> and that just amuses me, the idea of Ronald Reagan doing Truman Capote. Right. right. <laughs> so uh, who is in this film? What year is this movie? Uh, it's f- 1976. Okay. Uh, let's see. Ellen Brennan. You know who that yeah. is? She just died. Yeah, okay. Um, Eight to nine months. Um, Benjamin. She was in Clue, too. Yeah, um, okay. Yeah, yeah. She was probably Benjamin is who I remember her from. I right. think she's Miss Peacock in Clue. Uh, Peter Falk? Always a good... Always He's a, good, a Syracuse uh, guy. Peter Falk? Peter Falk got a master's from the... Uh, a master's in public administration for the Maxwell School. Oh, He's also he was also missing one eye, which is why he looked like he did. Uh, Alec Guinness, Sir Alec Guinness. Yes, Obi Wan Kenobi. Um, David Niven. Yep, famous he- British actor. He was the one that was on stage at the Oscars when the streaker ran by. Okay. You know that famous I, the, clip. Yep. 
Sure, go with it. Uh, Peter Sellers. No, no, I know exactly which one it is. Um, they the picture of his, I've only seen the picture, but it's of the guys like bare ass. Yeah, he says something something witty about his shortcomings or something. <laughs> uh, Peter Sellers, Maggie Smith. Peter Sellers. Uh, the Pink Panther. Pink Panther movies, yes. Um, Maggie this is on Downton Abbey. Yeah, is she Dame Maddie Smith. She must be now, yes. Um, she Man, was this al- to be a good movie. I need to see it. Yeah, she was also in the Harry Potter movies. Yeah, I I've seen one of those, and I don't watch Downton Abbey. I just saw about her on CBS Sunday Morning. I I think once because I'm or sixty minutes because I'm old, and that's what old people do. <laughs> watch CBS Sunday Morning in sixty minutes. Uh, um, James Cromwell. Jamie Cromwell, as he was billed when he in his star turn as Skolnick's dad in the original Revenge of the Nerds. <laughs> uh, I would have gone with, although Revenge of the Nerds is a much better, I would have gone with Babe, but that's because well, I haven't. The thing I thought was funny, you know, he was like Oscar nominated for Babe, and they were called him James Crom- Cromwell. Okay. But if you watch Revenge of the Nerds, he's billed as Jamie Cromwell, <laughs> which I always thought was kind of funny. And um, done a serious movie before that based on him being Jamie Cromwell in Nerds. <laughs> uh, Richard Narita. I have he, nothing to say about him. He um, he's, an, he's like an Asian actor. Does he um, have a no, he doesn't have a mustache. But I think in the in the movie he played like a super stereotypical Asian, like a Charlie Chan. Like yeah, that. exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, and that looks like that looks like it's about it. But that's a pretty good cast. Um, yeah, Neil Simon is. gets the writing credits. Robert Moore um, is uh, the director. He also directed uh, nothing really. Go see what it gets on Rotten Tomatoes. Because it sounds like it would be a good movie with that cast. Yeah, it was really good. It, it came out in 76, so they probably played on on the Saturday afternoon movie, yeah, probably eighty. Uh, well, I was like probably ten, so probably yeah. eighty-three. That makes sense, right? Yep, yep, that does make sense. Um, sure, why not? What's it called? What was the movie called? Murder by Death. Murder by Death. And it's like, um, you know, it's a whodunit. Um, they all come, they sit around the dinner table, and Truman Capote. Um, He's like the narrator or whatever. Yeah, he's like the host of the party. Leading leading the conversation or the uh sixty nine percent uh That's for, a decent that means it's got a, a tomato next to it, right? For all critics. It's got a tomato. It's eighty four percent for viewers. Uh, um yeah, I'm I'm not a I don't use uh, rotten tomatoes a lot, so I'm not sure. Well I was looking at it today because I was talking about a movie that I went to that I th- I was having a conversation with movies with a friend of mine, and uh, he was saying he went to see the Planet Apes movie, too, and he went with this friend of ours, this girl, Abby, and she thought it sucked. And I was like, I don't go to see movies that suck, because generally, for me to go see a movie, I I think it's going to be good. So I go in there with a positive mind. I don't go to movies that I think are going to suck. Right. And I was saying... The last time I was at a movie that I thought sucked was a movie I didn't want to go to. And it was this movie called Columbiana. Came out 2011, where Zoe Saldana is 
some like South American girl or whatever whose parents are murdered by mobsters and and she's hunting down the mobsters now she's older and wants to kill them or whatever. And I was like, that movie sucked. I remember just thinking it was awful. And I went to Rotten Tomatoes and it had a 21% <laughs> by the critics. I'm like, good, I'm not the only one who thought it sucked. You know? It had a 64% by people who viewed it, but of course, because most people want to like the movies they see. Right. You know? But, oh, good point, good point. Yeah, I was like, I was like, I don't see movies that suck generally because I'm going there with a positive mind. I want to go see a good movie. If I think it sucks, I'm not going to it. I'm not going to go see Sex Tape. You know why? That clearly sucks. You know? You know that movie that's out right now? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. With Cameron Diaz and Jason Seal. You can just tell that movie's going to suck. You know? Yeah. It's, it's a bad formula. Those actors are way past that. Yes, plus, like, how passe is the idea of the sex tape to begin with? Right. You know, it's like, and Jason Segel's a couple years younger than me, and he's going to be married to Cameron Diaz, who's who's quite a few years older than me. Come on. Let's be real. Cameron Diaz doesn't look 34 any longer. No. No. Um... Getting sticking with Hollywood, I want to mention this because there was a couple of deaths in the last week that are germane to what has gone on on two sorry excuses. Uh, first, Johnny Winter died early. Oh, I saw that. Did I text you that? No, you didn't, but Carla did because she wakes up earlier than me. <laughs> uh, it's, I tell you about the death game that Carla, BP, and I play, right? Um. Refresh my memory. I know it exists. I don't remember what. Whenever celebrities die, it's who can get it out first, you know? Okay. And uh, so I have an advantage with late night deaths, and she has an advantage with middle of the night deaths. Okay. You know, because she's an hour ahead of me. Right. So like, um, so like Johnny Winter, when he died the other day, she sent that out. Then I had heard that the same day Elaine Stritch died, and I sent that out. And then there was some controversy over that. But yesterday, I was laying in bed, and the TV was on. It was 8 o'clock in the morning, and they, they announced another death, which is germane to two sorry excuses, the death of James Garner. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, it might have been our very first episode where we were talking about the Rockford Files. Right. It, it was definitely one of our very first, if not our very first. <laughs> yes. And, um, and who doesn't love James Garner? Or Jim, as we call him in the biz. Oh, uh, that's... You know what? I saw that in passing, but um, I forgot to make a note of it. Oh, yeah. That's a total bummer, man. I'm actually looking at his New York Times obituary right now, which, you know, I wish I could have this when I die. James Garner, witty, handsome, leading man, <laughs> dies at 86. <laughs> you know, if I could be described as witty and handsome upon my death, I'll be happy. Uh, <laughs> hopefully at least witty. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I rolled out of bed to go check the phone, but I had a feeling she would have already got it because she's awake already. Right. She probably has been awake, yes, and of course she was. And Brian was peed off because his cousin, Chief Big Knee, had texted him James Garner's death earlier, but he forgot to send out the text. Oh. That one. 
Yes. Yeah, I mean, who doesn't love James Garner? Yeah, and who doesn't love the Rockford Files theme? But I'm so psyched. I was very happy that I saw, I saw Jane, I saw Johnny Winter, because you know, if I would have been out there and had a spot Springsteen, I never would have saw him, and he would just died, and would have been like Bobby Womack, who also played this year at Jazz Fest, who I did not go see, who just died in the past month too. You know. Yeah, didn't you say he didn't look so good? Yeah, but I mean, from what I heard, he he hasn't looked so good in years anyway. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for one, he's an albino. Right. So, what well, funny thing is, my dad calls yesterday, and he's asking me some. He's I'm reading about this guy Johnny Winter, and it says something about, uh, you know, he's reading an article in the paper or whatever, talking about the pigment or something. I was like. He's an albino. He's like, oh, that's what that means? I was like, yeah, it's probably just not politically correct to say albino now or something. So whatever article was written was just saying that he was born without pigmentation. So then my dad got in a whole story about this guy he used to work with. (laughs) (laughs) The guy who worked with him wasn't an albino, but the guy's mother was an albino. (laughs) And they were from Ireland. (laughs) And and he's like, yeah, his mother was an albino, and she was run out of her town in Ireland because it's like bad luck to be an albino, and that's how he ended up being. Uh, and I, I ran that past my mother, and my mother's mostly Irish, and she said, yo, yeah, being albino is bad luck. <laughs> but then it gets into talking about how this guy worked when he worked the floor below him at the phone company, yada, yada, yada. Um... And then he told him about uh, the girl he was married to who went to Forche High School, which is where my dad graduated from. And he's like, he showed me a picture. Now remember who she was. And he goes, she was the ugliest girl. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, oh, God, I hope you didn't tell him that. He's like, no. It's like, all right, all Oh, <laughs> uh, you can take a simple thing like albinism and turn it into a fifteen-minute story <laughs> about somebody you knew who didn't. What <laughs> <laughs> um, was married to a woman who he thought was the ugliest girl in his high school? <laughs> <laughs> uh, he excels in negative space. Oh yeah, he. Um, funny thing about that is he calls everybody an asshole. <laughs> my mom's like, have you ever met anybody who isn't an asshole? And and my mom goes on, she's like, there's only one guy who he doesn't think is an asshole. One guy who he's... And it, it was this guy named Frank that worked with him. And she's like, and the funny thing is he was the biggest asshole. <laughs> my mom's like, that guy was the biggest asshole, but he's the only guy that my dad has never referred to as an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh, it's so ridiculous. So ridiculous. What was, um, everybody die of old age? Natural causes? Um, Giant Winter was 70, but I'm sure it was natural causes. James Garner was 86. Um, but I think he died skydiving. <laughs> <laughs> Elaine Stritch was about 86 or 88 or something. So everybody's natural causes. I mean, Johnny Winter lived a rough, hard life, and I think you have a lot of health problems to begin with when you're an albino, 
and the smoking, drinking, and drug use probably doesn't help. I'm sure. But they were all natural causes, fortunately. Good runs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, those are... I, I, it sucks Jan Winter died because that was only two months ago I saw him and that guy was jamming. You know? Yeah. It's just amazing. Two months earlier and probably even more recently than that, he probably played a show within the past three weeks, I'm sure. Oh, no doubt. You know, isn't that amazing? You can be up there just friggin' shredding, you know? And and next day you're dead. So. <laughs> <laughs> Very prophetic. Yeah, yeah. Um,. The other news, uh, which I guess should be talked about since technically we are a Syracuse show. Did you hear about the fight in the club in Miami <laughs> between Dante Green and Jolan Dunbar? So our favorite our favorite orange bust. One and done, yes, Dante. Dante. Well, um, you know the, uh, the ultimate connection that makes it? It's a pure Syracuse story. Well, because, okay, this is funny. Because I I don't exactly know how I ended up with the story. I'm not a big Deadspin guy. I don't I don't go to Deadspin yeah. every day. Uh, but I know you do, so I figured we'd be chatting about this. So I did a little research, but I ended up on the um, Dante Green apologizes after getting tased in the butt. Yes, that's what got him to. That's what got him to stop getting tased in the ass. So I did a little research, and and obviously, um, you know, I found out the the story. But then I also looked up uh, Jolan Dunbar, who I'm, yes. I wasn't particularly familiar with. I'd heard the name. I know Dunbar. I've watched. I've seen the Rams play. He played for the Saints for a few years. Yes. Okay. Um, but he went to Corcoran High School. Yes. In Syracuse, he's from he's, Syracuse. Yes, a Syracuse, New York high school. And he had just run, He had just finished up his CNY football camp last week. What I was trying to figure out in the story was. Because of that connection, were they together, or did they just happen to come across each other? You know what's funny about that? Um, apparently, the fight involved uh, Dante's little brother, Dimitric, also. But um, but Dante Green had some kind of quote about how he'd been... how. How Joan Dunbar's been a, been after him his whole career or something for years or something. <laughs> Did you see that? I think no. it, I think it's on today. They I think Deadspin updated their story today once it came out about the um, about the ass tasing and the police report was it was released. <laughs> uh, so I'm thinking I'm like, well, was this guy getting into it with him when Dante Green was a student at Syracuse and this guy was there during the, you know, during the off season? I don't know. I'm trying to, I'm trying to figure out how far this actually goes back. You know? Yeah, I mean, okay. Dante Green was was there for one year. Yeah, he was there for one year. Had nothing but trouble, you know, before his time. At Syracuse during his time and after his time, he was probably on campus for all of three months. Yes, he's originally from Baltimore, I believe. Right. And at that time, Dunbar was going to BC, right? They're about the same age. Yeah, I mean, he, he was, Dunbar is 29 years old. Uh, what year was he drafted? 
He was with the Saints since 2008. That's Saints signed him as an undrafted free agent. He was on the Super Bowl team. And uh, let's see. Dante Green is 26. He's so born 88. Dunbar was born in 85. So they're roughly the same age. Roughly the same age. They were in school at the same time. Um, Where their paths would have crossed. I mean, Dante Green would have been up there the summer before he started, probably. Because, you know, they're always up there the summer before. Yeah. You know, maybe you could see something or maybe they cross paths in one of these pickup games or something. Okay. All right. You know, I'm just, I'm just imagining where this. I don't know why these guys would have beef. Yeah. You know, I mean, Dante Green's played for several teams. Um, yeah, last in the league in what, 2012, maybe. Yeah, with the Kings. Yeah. He's um. Yeah, he just played. He just finished up the summer league. Who was he with? Uh, the Nets, maybe on their summer league team, trying to get back into the. Uh, so 2007, 2008 was when he was at Syracuse. So I'm trying to figure out where this beef goes goes back to. Yeah, Jolan Dunbar at the 2010 Saints victory parade. That's how you knew. That's when Syracuse was in hard times when players like that were leaving the city to go to mediocre programs like Boston College. Right. You know. So we don't know how far this goes, but apparently there's beef. Uh. You know, former NBA player Dante Green was very apologetic, he says. Uh, maybe it's because he says he was defending his little brother, Dimitrik, from St. Louis Rams linebacker Jolan Dunbar. Or it could be pol- be because police tased him in the butt to make the fighting stop. In Dunbar's defense, he told police that he was defending himself against the Green brothers. Let's see. At one point, Dante Green punched Dunbar from behind. And then he kept punching Dunbar in the head and neck area, police said. Green ignored a police order stop. He was tased. One prong hit him in the back, the other in the right buttocks. They don't, do uh, this. What? Go ahead. This is the quote. It says, I am sorry, officer, but this guy has been after me for years since I got into the NBA. Green said, according to the affidavit, he was beating my brother and I had to do what I did. Apparently, this is since he got to the NBA. I don't know where the hell they cross paths. Maybe it's just clubbing. <laughs> you know, maybe they're just hanging out at the same clubs. You know, gone after the same shorties. Who knows? <laughs> um, did they say where they met up? Was it at, uh, what? What? Where the where the where the fight was? Yeah, it was at a place. I think it was called Club Dream or something like that. Yeah, Club Dream in Miami, Miami Beach. Hmm. See, if you go to Deadspin, you can actually look at the full police report. Yeah, I'm looking at that right now. Yeah. Don, you remember when Dante Green was... He should have never left early. He should have just stayed. But everybody gets seduced by the friggin' money. But they had the Dante Leave shirts. Yes. Because he spells his name with the... Uh, Apostrophe. With the, to the top. Um... I was really hoping we get the address at Club Dream. <laughs> I've only ever been, I've been to Miami uh, a couple times, but I've only ever been to the Clevelander, 
which okay, that's a famous place. Yeah, most people have passed through. That's uh, like Miami Beach. Dark Deco. Yes, hotels, right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and then I went to some like cockfight or something. <laughs> around the corner from the Orange Bowl, which was probably the worst place I've ever been. Um, but that's it. But Miami, you know? Yeah, it's... I've never been to Miami except for the airport, coming back from Guantu and coming back from Curacao. It's the kind of place that Dante Green and Jolon Dunbar can find each other, apparently, after years of beefing Yeah, and get tased in the ass. Every time I think of Miami, I think of clubs. I think of athletes just getting in fights at them. <laughs> it seems to be a common story. I mean, who was that that asshole? Um, who 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 definitely defies his name? Bobby Incognito. <laughs> I think he got into it in a Miami nightclub. Uh, last year. I'm sure he did. I'm he's sure. a he's a pride of Jersey. Uh, is he? Where did he go to high school? Well, I think he ended up going to high school at West, but he his family moved from Jersey to like Arizona, I believe. All right. Well, you you got to tell me when, at what age he was in Jersey. Until All right, I'm look it up right now. Because there's a cutoff. Well, there's, I don't know. When your name's Bobby Incognito and you're that big, big of a douchebag, I think it's like that South Park. Where, <laughs> have you seen that one, the Jersey one, where Jersey Shore is taking over America and it is no longer the Gulf of Mexico. It is the Gulf of the Jersey Shore. <laughs> you know, every. The expansion of the Jersey Shore culture. Because uh, if it was before 12, I, I can't claim him. After 12? Richie Incognito, I R- Richie Incognito, yeah. Yeah, whatever. But I always thought that was such a funny name, Incognito. <laughs> Sounds like the type of name Homer gives himself when he's trying to hide out from authorities or something. Well, I think- he... Homer's name was Guy Incognito. I've given his name as once. Um, Incognito is the guy behind all that Jonathan Martin bullying. Yeah, I saw that BS. He was born in Englewood, New Jersey, in July 5th, 1983. But he, he went to high school in Glendale, Arizona. Does it say when he moved there? Yeah, let's see. Personal life. Incognito is the oldest son of Richard and Donna Incognito. Father is of Italian and German descent. Incognito's father, proud about being a Nebraska parent, having Richie attend college in Nebraska, wrote a piece on Huskerboard.com. Blah, blah, blah. Incognito played out. Yeah, it doesn't say when he moved there. I, I, you know, they dumb profiles on this moron. Yeah. He's from Englewood's in a real douchey part of New Jersey anyway. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm sure. I'm sure. And here's a story. March 21st, 2014. This is the the least surprising story connecting player and team together, this headline. Richie Incognito is 100% in the plane for the Raiders. (laughs) 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 If there's ever been a perfect guy for the Raiders, there you go, Richie Incognito. Uh, well, I don't know when he moved. Let me, I'll Google Richie Incognito in New Jersey, and maybe I can find an article <laughs> talking about when he moved. I'm sure Deadspin did one about it, but um, let's see. Here's a story from NJ.com. Maybe they'll talk about when he left New Jersey. 
you know, happy to claim him as their own, perhaps. <laughs> but I gotta look up Guy Incognito, because I do think that was a Homer Simpson name. Yep, Guy Incognito Simpsons, that's the second <laughs> thing that pops up on the Google. What's the first? Just Guy Incognito. Oh, alright. Um, and I'm going to the wiki page, the Simpsons wiki for Guy Incognito. But let's see what I can gather from this NG, NJ.com. It turns out Incognito is a New Jersey native. He was born in Inglewood in 1983 and moved to Arizona in 1985. He was 12 when he moved. Oh, that's right on the cusp. Yeah, well, they got a picture of him. They tweeted, and he looks like a hardcore douchebag. It's like him as a 12-year-old kid, and he's got his hair slicked back. (laughs) 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 I've seen this picture before, but... (laughs) I guess that was part of, like, his charm offensive to show pictures of him as a little kid. Be like, I'm not so bad of a guy. All right. Guy Incognito is a man who, except for having a mustache and unusual accent, looks and sounds exactly like Homer Simpson. The resemblance to Homer has proven to be very unfortunate for Guy, as it has gotten him into trouble on at least one occasion. Where Guy lives is unknown, though his appearance and manner speaking suggest he is an English foreigner. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> all right i don't think i really want to cover richie incognito anymore but i think if you reach 12 years old you're still in jersey and the douchey part you're taking that douchiness with you all right i'm gonna agree because it's it, probably a that's where the uh cardinal stadium is it's probably a wealthy suburb and he probably lived in a douchey development of cookie cutter half a million dollar houses yeah I'm not gonna guess that there's a lot of douchebaggery going on in uh, in Arizona at that time in '95. Yeah. All yeah. right. I guess we gotta claim him. Yeah, yeah. You you do have to claim. I mean, he was raised by people from Jersey. <laughs> huh? uh, well, uh, let's see if there's. Anything else that maybe we need to talk about or should talk about? Um, nothing I can really think of. Nothing really worth talking about other than this new trend called rolling coal that I saw about on TV tonight. But I don't know if we need to really get into all that. But you can Google the term rolling coal up. Apparently this is a new thing that douchebags who drive pickup trucks do where they modify their pickup trucks to to let out the exhaust and they they film themselves uh blowing the exhaust on on uh unsuspecting passersby and and put it on YouTube and it just kind of goes and proves my point about the type of douchebags that drive pickup trucks I would have to guess 10 out of 10 of these guys have bulls balls hanging from there yes that and a tap out sticker from their trailer hitch <laughs> and a Calvin ha Calvin Calvin peeing on the opposite company's logo. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'll say I said it before. I'll say it again. Ninety percent of truck drivers. I got to protect the ten percent because I know people like my brother in law, some other friends. Uh, but ninety percent, man. And if you're talking about the dually, you know the dually trucks with the. The double wheels in the back? Yep. 
It's got to be like a 99% rate when you give them that number. <laughs> and if it's a woman driving a pickup truck, it's a 100% chance she's a, she's a femme douche. <laughs> um, I saw this guy today. I wanted to take a picture of him. Uh, and it was a van. It wasn't a truck. But it was same same class of, of, of driver. And it said something along the lines of Opecho Obama. Impecho Obama. It was in. It was a white passenger van, yeah. commercial maybe like you know one of those Econo line one fifties, yeah. and um, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't airbrushed or or um, decorative. It was just stick on letters. Yeah. But they were really high quality because he took his time. He just didn't go to to um, you know Home Depot or or Walmart and get the. Yeah. You know, get the strip of stickers with the A through Z. But it had Opech- Impeach Obama. Was it spelled correctly? It was spelled correctly, but right. it had the at symbol. Uh, and it said rice, comma, somebody else. I can't remember who the other one. Uh, what's the holder? At. Oh, so Rice, the one that went on TV with the controversial Benghazi stuff. Is that who they're referring to? Oh. The National Security. Yes, 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 yes. So that at Rice, comma, holder, and then on the next line, so it was three lines, impeach Obama, and then underneath that it was at Rice, comma, holder, and then under that it was at Pelosi, comma, Boehner. <laughs> but I couldn't tell if those were supposed to be Twitter addresses. Yeah. Or if he was just saying, also impeach these people. Well, so maybe he's so so far out there. He must be maybe a Sarah Palin guy if he's got a problem with Boehner, too. Yeah, or he just needed a fourth politician or a fourth p- political scapegoat. To, yeah. to to kind of fill out the form, but I I wanted to take a picture, but traffic started moving, so I couldn't. So my yeah, next when you want to take a picture, my next best uh, option was to speed up alongside him so I can get a at least a glimpse to and kind we of see f- how it was. And it was an old guy, so I don't think he would. I don't think there were Twitter addresses. Yeah, I he think was... he was saying also. Impeach yeah, yeah, these yeah. people, he but all to be hip with the Twitter handle, right? But he he happened to use one of the, you know, one you know, of the most common marks in our lexicon now. See, on Fourth of July, when I was driving out to Mississippi, I saw a guy in the interstate with Mississippi plates, and I wanted to take a picture, but you just can't pull out the camera, the phone, and take a picture when you drive in eighty something miles per hour. This guy's. He had a he had a uh, a vanity plate and it was H M F I C. Now, can you guess what I guessed what that probably means? H M F I C. I'm pretty sure I know what it means. Hold on, let me write this down. H- yeah, it'll be easier to look at the letters. Um, I guarantee you the. Mississippi Department of Motor Vehicles didn't realize this was what he meant, or else they probably wouldn't have issued it. 
Uh, head motherfucker in charge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was a red, like, Jeep Wrangler or something like that, you know? And I was like, oh, man, it's the head motherfucker in charge. I was like, I guarantee you they had no clue that that's what that meant. Well, that's... <laughs> you know, if something has, like, even if, even if you put, like, M-F-E-R, they probably wouldn't grant it, you know? Right. Because right. they have stuff they won't grant if they think it's... Uh, explicit or sexual and stuff like that, you know? <laughs> but they had no clue that HMFIC meant that. Oh, uh, that's good. Yes. That's good. So, but I didn't I didn't even get to pull up alongside him, but I think he was a a guy not much um you know, probably around our age or so. Right. Right. But maybe I need to apply for that vanity plate in Louisiana. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, good stuff, man. Good stuff. What else you got? Uh, I really don't have much, man. I mean, uh, I wrote down some ideas and we pretty much hit them all. All right, very good. Um, well, then on that note, all right. With apologies to Girk's brother. <laughs> we'll see you guys next week. Night, Fredo. Rest in peace, James Garner. Thank <laughs> you.